But what was so fantastic about it was that that unifying power of, you know, you say something or ask, you know, ask of the boys and then they produce. And <laughs> and I thought that was so magical. That's Herbert Washington, the artistic director of the Phoenix Boys Choir. He's an alum of the Phoenix Boys Choir, a longtime music educator, a member of the Arizona Music Educators Association, and was the choir director for Phoenix Children's Chorus. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Herbert. Can you start by telling us your cultural background and professional trajectory that got you where you are today? Definitely. The boys choir, and and I usually say this, that it saved my life and quite literally because I grew up in South Phoenix, focused on, you know, the things that that, that boys probably shouldn't be doing, you know, the, the, the gang life and the not being around the right friends and the right group of people. Um, my, you know, mom, mother and father were um, dealt, dealt, dealt with substance abuse. And so when I started focusing on music, that was fairly early on in, in like around fourth grade where my music teacher saw something in me. She was, she was the one who would have me sing solos, um, be in musicals. I was in Annie Get Your Gun as Buffalo Bill with a big red beard and and uh, I remember those, you know, formative, early formative years. And um, she suggested that uh, I try out for the Phoenix Boys Choir. And of course, I had no idea what uh, this organization was about and who they were. I just knew that I had a passion and an interest in music, but didn't have the support, didn't have, you know, necessarily the family resources. And so when I tried out, you know, I auditioned and made it and met two directors. One is Tom Jones and the founder, uh, Dr. Harvey K. Smith, and his wife, Dr. Lincoln Smith, who really took me under their wing. And, um, you know, they would transport me, provide, and, and I know this even more so now, but provide the uh, financial resources for me to be a part of, of such an organization. And when I was 10, the, my first time traveling was to Japan, Philippines, and Hawaii for about three weeks. Now, you know, imagine taking a, a boy from South Phoenix <laughs> and then traveling around the world. Uh, it was an eye-opening experience, but it was a moment that uh, was transcendent. You know, it, it changed my trajectory on life and my outlook on life. And it showed me that, you know, my environment, my current situation does not define me or my future and allowed me to see that there is uh, there is a greater purpose for me as a, as a person. And even as a young boy, you know, even as a 10 year old, I just realized that there was something greater out there for me because I was doing things that most of my family, most of my friends have never done. And that was at a very early age. That's an amazing story so far. So being part of this group changed your entire outlook on life and what happened afterwards. That propelled me to then focus on going to, you know, going to college, going to a high school where um, life just completely changed. Um, when I was 16, I moved around quite a bit because of my background. I was, I'm a foster kid as well. There were some issues that happened with my family that that sent me to a foster foster care, and I ended up uh, living with my aunt, uncle, who were also dealing with other uh, you know issues. And one night, uh, I was thrown out of the house. And it's an interesting story because um, at this time, when I was in the boys' choir, I was befriending the nurse, uh, the nurse of the Phoenix Boys' Choir, and her family, which her two two boys were affiliated with the boys' choir. One was in a, uh, one was in the choir, one was not, but was always around. And she was a nurse for about twenty five or so years. And so I would, um, you know, my escape was to go over their house and 
and to play with their uh, their boys and and to hang out with them. And you know that was a, one of the first times where I saw a stable family household where families actually came and sat down and ate together and they you know they swam in a backyard and and they they had the resources that I did not grow up in and one night uh, when i was 16 and probably about even maybe 14 or 15 i was thrown out of the house late it was like one o'clock in the morning and and for something that uh, was really ridiculous something like i didn't do the dishes that night and i was thrown out and my first call you know when i went to the next door neighbors my first call was to the nurse of the phoenix boys choir her name is judy van boning and i asked her to come pick me up and she did and i never went back that was that was huge because that I changed schools to where her sons were going. They uh, went to Valley Lutheran High School where I changed and I met my music teacher who was a, uh, a member of St. Olaf Choir in Minnesota. Of course, as a, you know, a young high school student, I, you know, I never really thought about what college I wanted to go to or, you know, what I wanted to study. And he suggested that I look at, you know, this college in cold country, Minnesota. And uh, <laughs> I've never seen snow before, <laughs> but I was intrigued. And so I went to visit. I knew of the great program. You know, I, I heard uh, great stories about the program, one of the top um, acapella um, programs in the, in the country, in, in the world. And when I went there, I was floored about how gorgeous Minnesota was, but how nice the people were. We always talk about Minnesota. Minnesotans are very nice. And um, they're extremely welcoming. And when I got on the hill, it just I just knew that that's where I should be studying. And so I just plunged right in full steam ahead. I, I actually went for basketball. I did not go for music. Well, that's kind of surprising how you wound up as a choral director then. Um, so I switched majors to focusing on music because you couldn't sing in the St. Old Choir and be on the basketball team and travel. So I focused my major on music. I dropped the bio major because I, I had a horrible math background. Uh, you know, it just didn't work when I got to genetics my junior year. And then I added a fine arts major where I studied theater, art, dance, and music all in one. And so I left there with two bachelor degrees, and that was the, one of the greatest things. So did you know at that point you were going to focus on choral music and conducting? I think most educators, especially in music, say, well, we'll, we'll never grow up and be a, a teacher or a choral director. And I, I had that same idea until the Phoenix Boys Choir came and visited up in Minnesota, St. John's, and they asked me, to be a chaperone and and lead some sectionals. And this was Georg Stangelberger. This was around 2000, about the time where Dr. Harvey K. Smith was retiring uh, after his 30 plus years of service for the boys choir and then bringing on the new director, Georg Stangelberger from the Vienna Boys Choir. And so Georg called me uh, and asked me to, to work with the boys. And so, you know, I was slightly hesitant because I've never worked with a group of, of boys or any choir. And so I went up there and it was the one of the most greatest experiences that that uh, that just changed my whole trajectory and life because he gave me a group of maybe 10 boys. And he said, well, can you teach this melody? And I said, it's great. But what was so fantastic about it was that that unifying power of, you know, you say something or ask of, you know, ask of the, the, the boys and then they produce. 
And, <laughs> and I thought that was so magical. And then, and then he said, well, can you take, you know, this group of 40 or 50 and lead this particular song? And I was like, of course, I would love to. And there were the, not only working with those boys, but then being in the presence of all these great leaders. You know, we had Dr. Bob Chilcott, you had Dr. Smith and his wife, Dr. Lincoln, and some of these major names that I look back now when I'm looking at these pictures and going, wow, I was in the presence of legendary choral legends. After that, I went back home and I said, okay, this is what I'm going to focus on. I'm just going to focus on music, choral conducting, and I, I want to be in front of, a, of an ensemble. And that was the choice. That was a solidified choice that I made at that time, knowing that I come from a great background being in the boys choir and, you know, always appreciated what the boys choir had did for me and, you know, the touring, which was extremely special. And then being able to learn so much um, through music. It was a moment of pride uh, when I, you know, when I think about my, my time in the choir and how I could then serve other kids the same way that I was served. I want to go back to you working in the St. Olaf Choir. That's such a well-known choir, and I used to work in Minnesota in public radio. So why do you think choirs and choral music is so big up there? I mean, it's kind of the thing. We were just talking about this. I was in Minnesota um, this weekend um, conducting the uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade boys all-state, Minnesota all-state choir. And what I shared with the audience that were there, because they, they come out in droves, and I love how how uh, rich the artists, uh, the, the artistry and the culture is for not only music making, just art in general. I, I think two things are happening. Um, one, it's cold. <laughs> The weather allows you to focus on the craft, right? Because <laughs> if it's like, you know, like me, I didn't sled much. I didn't go skiing much. I was so cold coming from Arizona. And I studied uh, quite a bit in the library and I, you know, honed in on the craft. But I think that Minnesota and just Midwest in general, for, you know, for some reason, the, the history of great music makers and the care uh, and the uh, the Lutheran tradition that's there, that is very um, focused on excellence and incredible music. And that has not only trickled, and I think it starts in the church, because there you're still reading hymnals. You're not focused heavily on contemporary music as we are now. So when you have a background of reading and, and harmonizing it with hymnals, when you change over and, and uh, transition over to the choir, it's easy, it's it's beautiful. It's excellent. And uh, I, I think that that tradition has stood withstood the test of time. And uh, and now it's just a part of the culture. It's just a part of who they are and what they do there. And what you're doing now, you've been the artistic director of the Phoenix Boys Choir since 2019. You didn't have a ton of time before the pandemic, but you are coming up on the 75th year of this organization. That's amazing. Yes, this is our 74th. We're leading right into our 75th season next year, and I'm extremely excited. It's good to know that 75th is is not going to be in the heart of COVID or in the heart of Omicron. That is a, a blessing. We are um, thrilled to celebrate 75 years. I'm, you know, of course, I'm ecstatic as the director to 
look back at the history and pay uh, homage to Dr. Harvey K. Smith and all and and Garrick Stangelberger and all of the if you look at the donors, the families, the uh, almost 4000 alumni that we've served over those 75 years, I am so focused on trying to bring everyone back into the the fold and to engage and as well as provide their voice and on their account of what it was like being in the in the boys choir and how it changed their world. And real quick, just for listeners who don't know, what is the process like to join? I, I will say the first thing that anyone should know that it is a no stress vocal assessment. And what I mean by that is that we will place you where you need to be. Now that we don't take everyone, it's important to know that uh, the boys choir is, uh, you know, has always focused on being an elite group of young men who are not only interested in music, but there is a certain behavior. There is a certain discipline and a commitment that's expected. Um, So when you come into the space and you're doing a vocal assessment with me, the main thing I'm focused on is matching pitch, being able to hear a sound and to produce that sound. It doesn't always need to be perfect because we have seven-year-olds who come in and have never sung before, right? We have, sometimes we have 12-year-olds who have never sung before. Our goal is to develop that skill wherever you are, to make this as accessible to you. If you have an interest or a desire to sing, we will have a place for you. If you have, just like me, if you had financial woes and, you know, you are, this is not a place for just the affluent or the, uh, you know, upper middle class. This is a place that is open to any boy in the community that has an, an interest of being on stage, wants to travel, wants to learn and develop his musical prowess and, and, li- and learn life skills and techniques through music. This is the place for you. So the four things I'm looking for is is matching pitch, tonal memory, which we'll do, which I'll play some pitches on the piano and they will sing them back. Um, I'll have them sing, uh, a prepare a solo, or they can sing some, something as simple as, you know, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, Happy Birthday. There's a pretty simple, and then I'll do a, a mini sight reading and a rhythmic uh, reading example. And which showcases to me what the what they have learned with their own educator at school so the the goal of the phoenix boys choir is to to supplement the work that these great educators in arizona are already doing we want to take that foundation and then expand uh expand upon that and uh, help boys travel more they may not have been able to do that in the school they may not have been able to perform, um, you know, more than 10 to, to 15 times a year. And here at the Boys Choir, you know, it's like being on a basketball team all year. It's a commitment that you've made that I actually want to do this as a perf- I want to perform more. I may not want to play basketball or do all these things, but I want to be on stage and showcase my skill and talent in a different way. Um, we do have boys who are well-rounded. They love to they they love to play chess. They're very intellectual. Uh, they love to talk about Pokemon and focus on those fun uh, academic things. But they also love sports. And our goal is to try and find a place to where you can lead here and and to also lead in your schools and lead at home and to show great character wherever you are. But really, the focus is on commitment to excellence. And it's not only 
here, but it's wherever you go. If you're at home, then you're respecting your parents and those who your guardians who are taking care of you every day. You're, if you're at school, you're focused on your academics and making sure that is number one so that you can have a successful uh, education. And your character, wherever you travel, uh, you are global ambassadors of the Phoenix Boys Choir, but also your family and of yourselves. And you're really sticking to the mission of this organization where you want to instill dedication, discipline, commitment, and professionalism. Yeah, and I will say that the families that are coming to us know that we are instilling those qualities in our boys. And that's why they would choose, you know, Phoenix Boys Choir over many other you know, organizations that they would choose in the Valley. And I think our, our families are extremely appreciative of what we are doing, not only in the tools that we're providing. And, and I will say that the, the tools and techniques are continually changing because as the world changes, we are focused on being, of course, relevant, but also helping boys, not only in their musical education, but in their mental and uh, physical and health stability, right? Especially with with COVID, we just saw a de decline and, a, uh, an, or I will say, a decrease in uh, depression and uh, mental angst and issues that are arising. And, and I, we're not only in boys, but in families. And so... Just like many educators, I think we are taking on new roles as a choir of how do we provide a greater support system for these families, these boys that are dealing with what, what they probably seem as, see as a major tragedy of loss because they've lost so much of, of a part of their childhood, if you will. Okay, so you mentioned you work on instilling new exercises and techniques, whether that be a warm-up, a breathing exercise or maybe something that's just fun for the kids. Can you give us more insight to some of those new techniques? So uh, one that I'm proud of, and it was truly difficult online, and I, we're going to, now that we are masked and back in, in person, uh, you know, we obviously hope to be unmasked soon. But we focused on, when I first came in, my whole uh, vision is having the boys choir be a family-centered environment. And within that, of course, focusing on music uh, excellence. And so we started something called Sing for Brotherhood when I first came on. And the goal was to make it look like once a month where the full organization comes into our building and the boys get to play together, they sing together, they eat together. Just the, <laughs> what, what we seems as a simple thing, but to be able to... Uh, focus on, you know, etiquette at a dinner table. Uh, how do you hold, what kind of uh, appropriate conversation should you have with your neighbor? Um, how do you get to know your neighbor? And how do you um, focus on building uh, rapport and camaraderie, brotherhood and respect of each other? So that was a huge thing. Um, and that was right before COVID started. So those first six months that I had, we were doing that once a month. The boys loved it. And it, and it allowed younger boys to interact with the older boys, and then for the older boys to be an example for the younger. And so they would mix, it was beautiful because they would mix together at the tables. The families would cater, so there would be a themed uh, Sing for Brotherhood, for example, if we were doing Chinese New Year, where the families would, of the choir would get together and they would um, volunteer by creating a, a catered meal for the boys that they would serve to the boys. And so the boys, you know, uh, learn how to appreciate those who are serving them and and to stand in line and only eat what is, uh, 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 
you know, don't overindulge. That um, is really amazing and so needed and necessary. It, uh, it is. It is, you know, especially with boys because their eyes are obviously bigger than their you know, stomachs sometimes. And so that was fantastic. And, and of course, until COVID hit where we were still doing Sing for Brotherhood, but it, it, it took a different turn. Uh, we were one, of course, online and now we're back in person and we just took out the the eating factor. But that that part was so important because they got to sit and just be and be with each other and laugh. And and the energy that filled the room was special and the families coming together and of course, meeting each other for the very first time. And, um, and, and you know, I think families come into the building knowing that, and they stick with it because they've built the rapport with other families that become like, you know, a lifelong uh, friend friendships that are, that are created, not only with the boys, but with our, with our families here. And, uh, and and I saw that growing up, and that was one thing I wanted to focus on when I returned. It's it's always important for me to, in any position that I'm in, and I think this is uh, you know I think this is because when growing up I didn't have that tight knit family, and so I seek it out, and I uh, and it's important for me to create it and ha- and to live in that world. Very important. And I'm sure that sparked a lot of other ideas for you. And so I, I, I was going to just um, say that the other program is our Mind, Body, Spirit, Voice program, where we had families have a, a and this was during COVID, they would have a rubric that would showcase um, the, the necessary things to be successful at both your school your home and here in the building so that boys see that there is a connection to all of their worlds. So if there's a consequence here, if there's an issue here, then there's probably going to be an issue in other aspects of their life. Uh, For example, you know, the, one of the rubrics was like, you know, I made my bed in the morning. So they would check off that, uh, you know, things at home, or I did my homework or I, I studied my music and they would track their work. And the families would be able to sit down with them and have that conversation about, oh, you're doing really, really well here, but we need to maybe, you know, increase some of the productivity here in this area of your life. And I wanted them to see that there is a connection to everything that they do, that it doesn't matter where they travel, they're always representing themselves and their families and and, uh, the organization that they serve, and in this case, the Phoenix Boys Choir. And that was a very special thing. Um, And then... You know, having many conversations, it was important that I get to know every boy and to really understand where they not only where they are musically, but where they are emotionally. And boys, um, boys have a that stigma that they cannot be they shouldn't be vulnerable. They shouldn't express how they feel. They shouldn't be emotional that sort of thing. And we want to knock down those walls. We want to showcase that boys are, they're not only brilliant, but they can be, they can be emotional and wear their heart on their sleeves and share. And they don't have to hold everything internally. Like I did maybe as a young boy, I was an, you know, angry kid coming from the foster care system. Uh, and I think I showed a lot of that anger, even in during my rehearsals. And so growing up, you know, I, I just look back on on everything that everyone was trying to share with me, and all of the wonderful wonderful people that were helping me um, be a better human being. That's what we want to bring to the table. So it's not just choir anymore. It's not just come in and and sing some music. 
we want to be a part of who you are and showcase that you are, um, you have a purpose and you are worthwhile and you are valuable and integral part of this organization. And that's what you know, I, I try and focus on every single day when I see these boys and it is such a gift for them to come in and listen to not only the, the incredibly, incredibly beautiful music that they're making, but to, to hear how they interpret the music and to hear um, how they connect with what's going on in the world and in the building. Wow. It's like you're teaching these kids a way of life, like how to live how to show up. It must be such a thrill to create that for them. Congrats. Um, tell us about your summer tour. I'm assuming the program always aligns with where you're traveling. Oh, it sure does. And, you know, this is a special moment because traditionally, annually, we've traveled. And for three years now, we haven't had that that opportunity. And so this is my first tour of my tenure and it's, it is titled On the Road, Arizona to West Virginia. And so there is a, it started because we were invited to a festival, a bluegrass choral festival, can you believe it, uh, in West Virginia. Now, I never, I, I've listened to bluegrass, but, it, you know, obviously I'm, I come from a gospel background and a choral background and bluegrass is, you know, not always integrated in, in those worlds. And I love bluegrass music. I'm listening to it and, you know, toe tapping. And it has all of that same, um, that folky feel, but with a lot of great energy. And of course, we know many of the, the fantastic pieces that have been in movies and whatnot. So, so my goal was to create a program um, that represents where we're headed. And so we'll go from West Virginia uh, through Tennessee down to um, Knoxville and Chattanooga, but then head down to Birmingham where we'll spend the day with the Birmingham Boys Choir and do a choral exchange with them and then head up to Great Nashville, Tennessee. And, you know, that's where we always say, you know, the, the home of music uh, in many cases where it all started in some places. And I want the boys to see that rich history of, of the Apple, you know, the Appalachia and, the boys, of course, that's just beautiful country. You know, if you ever the white white, they're going to be rafting, going to go to the New River Gorge, um, and so I want them to really be immersed in that culture and where that music stems from. And so all of this music that we're learning, I think it will come full circle for them on this tour. And in serving Arizona, you know, I wanted to focus on the uh, the history, the great history of the Southwest, and the people that cultivated this land. And so we start out with collaborating. And I, you know, I, I love to say that collaboration is the best medicine for, for artists and, uh, you know, especially music organizations. Uh, that's the way that we, we can entertain the audiences, but we can also educate and engage. And so I've reached out to um, Ken Duncan Jr. and his family of seven sons, and they are well known in the Valley for uh, Yellowbird Productions, which is a Native American uh, dance uh, dance troupe. And they not only bring dance, but they narrate, they bring the, the historical context for the audience. And it really gives you a, a full look into the, the, the history and the rich heritage of, of the, the people that were here in Arizona. And then we moved to a uh, Hispanic and Mexican dance company called Tradiciones Dance Company. They will 
do some of the similar things. And what's so neat about them is that they're, they have a, um, a tradition that is coming from the music, of course, is coming from Mexico. But of course, they've, they, you know, they've migrated to, to Arizona and have lived in this land and have done a, a you know, cultivated and as a part of who we are, this rich history of who we are. And so they will collaborate in dance and in song with the boys, as well as Yellowbird. We will dance and, and collaborate with them. I love the energy. I love the vibrancy of not only the music and the stories that both cultures bring. That is, to me, what music is all about. It's it's about the stories. And when the audience sees that and, and is immersed in the the sound and the dancing and the colorful vibrant dresses of the Tradiciones dance company, they will fully be, uh, it's, you know, it's one of those moments where you just can't sit still. You want to, you want to sing out and it's not a uh, traditional choral concert where you just sit and and just listen. I want you to, to take in, and then I want you to be able to stand and clap and sing and hoot and holler. And that's in the first half alone. When we go to the second half, it's going to be now that West Virginia um, that bluegrass set. And the whole second half is focused on bluegrass. And so I've hired and, and wanted to focus on collaborating one of the most well-known uh, Arizona bluegrass bands we have here, which is Roman Buffalo and the Loyal Order. Having a conversation with him and those wonderful players, they love to, one, collaborate, but also share uh, the message of bluegrass and where it where it. Uh, where it originates. And so they're going to come in and it's, again, that's a set where you cannot sit still. Um, so we will not only engage, but we will educate and we are surely going to educate, uh, uh, entertain the, uh, the audience. The boys are really excited about it. They have, they have, uh, taken on learning, uh, of course, um, the, the, the Spanish text. They have learned some Native American text, which is from the Apache tradition. They uh, and of and they're learning pieces uh, like uh, "I'm a man of constant sorrow," uh, you know, um, "Country Roads." John, yeah. Oh yes, you gotta have John. You cannot do this concert without John Denver. I was just about to ask about John Denver, and then there is a piece by some local composers that relates to the Southwest. Of course, we will honor Southwest. We, you know, have a piece that was commissioned by Dave and Jean Perry, and it's called Arizona. And that is gonna, you, you, when you hear it, it's gonna take you through. It's basically a journey. Uh, for tourists through Arizona. So it will mention many different cities and talk about the valley and the pride that we have in Arizona. Um, so it was written actually for the Centennial of Arizona and um, Centenary of Arizona. This was actually um, commissioned by the Phoenix Children's Chorus. And then I recently, this year, asked Dave and Jean Perry to do a version, an SATB version for our older men and our boys. And so we're going to be um, um, singing that version, which is that's newly written for for us. And this is the same program that you'll be performing at the final Pops concert of the season on May 14th and 15th. So May 14th is at Mesa Arts Center, which, uh, you know, is a, a, a glorious space to sing in. And then we will head over to the West Valley at uh, Willow Canyon Auditorium, Willow Canyon High School Auditorium. Well, congratulations on your upcoming shows and tour. Can you tell us a thing or two that you're looking forward to for the 75th season? Any plans for international travel? 
Well, we, it is never too soon to focus on international travel. We've been waiting on that for so many years. Um, but what I'm looking forward to is what's happening now is the rebuilding of the organization. You know, given COVID um, had stifled the numbers slightly, you know, we have four incredible concerts that are that are going to be coming up in the season and many, uh, at least once a month, an opportunity to engage um, not only the, the donors and families, but past families, past um, supporters of the Phoenix Boys Choir and our alumni. And so we'll be reaching out to so many wonderful people. I'm working with people like Sterling Bioff, who we've talked about doing a, a podcast and trying to get, uh, you know, about 75, if I can, 75 different voices, supporters, uh, either family members, donors, staff, people who have had um, connections to the Phoenix Boys Choir and hearing their voice and their story and sharing that with the audiences. And then, of course, um, just paying homage to those in music, musically paying homage to all of those greatest hits that came, you know, before my time and during my time and, and after those those staple pieces, those those repertoire that um, the families uh, grew up knowing and loving, and even our um, our uh, constituents in the valley, um, and so it's going to be a very exciting time to uh, commemorate this moment. And, and so that's what we're really looking forward to. That's Herbert Washington, the artistic director of Phoenix Boys Choir. Their season finale is coming up May 14th and 15th before they embark on their summer tour titled On the Road, Phoenix to West Virginia. For tickets and information, visit boyschoir.org events. From KBOX Heart of the Arts, I'm Melissa Green.